Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello. And welcome to Gays on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I'm Ned. And I'm Declan. And in this episode, in the spirit of LGBT History Month, in the UK anyway, um, we will be discussing historical drama, Rustin. We will. Remember, there will be spoilers once we get to this week's headline feature. So, as always, do proceed with caution. Um, but before we get to that, I'd just like to welcome you back to the pod, Declan. Would you like to welcome me back to here? Welcome back. Thank you. I know I was looking, actually, this morning. We've not recorded since the beginning of this month. It was the yeah, 6th we took... of February. Yeah. And now it's... And the episode went out on the 7th, so... Yeah, mm. is that? We took three two weeks? weeks off. Two? I think it's two. Two and a half. Took a fortnight off anyway. No, I don't think. Six or 21. What's six or 21? Why? <laughs> 27. It's three weeks. Three weeks? Yeah. Hey, well, we must have needed a break. But yeah. Thanks, yeah. And. You've thrown me off script here. You've gone off pace. Why don't you tell me what you've been watching? Thank you. Well, (laughs) (laughs) because it's been so long, we've watched quite a lot of stuff between us. So I'm going to kind of race through some, but some others I'll I'll dwell on a bit. Okay. Kung Fu Panda 1 and 2. Just re-watching. Re-watching ahead ahead of of the fourth one. Yeah. June, re-watch instead no, ahead ahead of June part two. Yes. Um, Which, amazing. by the way, love it. it. Lived Can't up wait to, to see June part two because everyone's saying how amazing it is. And then we also watched the Disney film that came out in November, but it's now on Disney Plus. I want to say maybe oh, Wish. It, it will be on Disney Plus when yeah. it's the Disney hundred year anniversary. Yeah. Um, which I loved way more than you did. Yeah, it wasn't. My no, favourite. I really enjoyed it. I get it. what it was trying to do, but it wasn't like for its hundredth year, that's what Disney chose to put out is quite disappointing to me. Oh, well, I really loved it. And I gave it two and a half. 
What did I give it? You gave it. No way did you give it that. What? Four and a half. Did I? Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> no way. What's wrong with it? The songs are good. The animation is really cool. The songs are no more than fine. The story is Sorry, no more no, than disagree. fine. Disagree. Have you been singing them? I'm not the one that gets songs stuck in my head all the time. That's not true. No, that's not true. But I'm sorry. Not like there's chocolate (laughs) and there's chocolate. I can't believe that you are willing to put on that crap song from Mean Girls the Musical in the shower, but you won't put anything from the Wish soundtrack on. What one should I put on? What? What wish song would I put That's on in the, the shower point then? That's yeah. not the point. There we go. Just because I can't remember Naff. them doesn't mean they're not good. You couldn't not remember Let It Go. It took actually or a Moana. handful of years. For... What's one of Moana's songs? Um, The one where she goes out on the boat. Yeah. Yeah, that one. I wasn't even Coco, that. remember me. Don't remember a single song from Coco. Which... Proves my point. Yeah, but the story was, wasn't that songs. great as well. Ugh. In my opinion. Well, alright, grump. No. <laughs> no, not grumpy. Realistic. Carry on then. Um, American Fiction, one of the Yeah. Oscar type films that came out recently here. Absolutely loved that film. I thought it's commentary on kind of how we expect stories to be told by minorities to a kind of appease the, the majority. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really fascinating. I actually found the family dynamic between the characters probably even more compelling than the actual premise. Yeah, to that... me, the value in it was all the side stories. Not mm-hmm. really. Like, the main thing obviously gave it structure and coherence, but I really, really enjoyed all of their interpersonal relationships. Um and just like, you know, messy family stuff. I thought it was really, really well done. I thought it was satire at its best as well. It proper made me laugh. There was one line and <laughs> yeah, it was same. like, um, you know, something, some the, you white people will enjoy at the Hamptons and the publisher goes, yeah, yeah, we will. I mean, yeah, they will. Yeah, like that. <laughs> um, and there's just loads of little, like, small little quips like that that made yeah. me laugh a lot. Um, very much recommend. Jeffrey Wright deservedly has got an Oscar nomination. Yeah. I think it's up, been up for quite a lot of best adapted screenplays, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it's very well written. Like, yeah. as we said about the family, it feels very much kind of um, lived in. I believed them. I liked the dynamics. The The dialogue was real. Like, yeah. that's how people talk to one another. Yeah. Um, yeah, really liked it. Fun. Um, Argyle, shall we both talk about Argyle a little bit? Yeah. Um. <laughs> All right, I'll start. Um, <laughs> somebody said before we'd seen it. It was quite fun. Somebody said, "All style, no substance," and I was like, "Hmm." Now I know to expect that. I think I'm in the mood for a, a, a film like that. And they kind of hit it on the nose with that sentence. Sorry, I don't know who actually said it. Um, But 
for an old style no substance film i really really enjoyed it and even though i don't think i gave it that much of a star rating at the time <laughs> if we'd have done an episode i'd have probably taught myself up because there's loads of fun to be had with it i liked how it used the device where every time an action action sequence kicked in there was a really cool song over the top of it yeah which i know isn't like the highest bar of like cinematic yeah. quality yeah but i did like that and it was fine i think it wasn't what like it was marketed quite different to what we got i would say yeah i think that's fair like i think people expected like henry cavill's character who henry cavill Argyle. and dua lipa were like I mean, the main lipa feature may, may as well not have been I know. in it they were the main feature of the trailer as far as i could tell apart from maybe the cat um <laughs> and they weren't in it for very much at all no i like so. sam rockwell in it a lot though yeah, I had a good time with... I didn't with... really get on with Catherine O'Hara, which was weird. Catherine O'Hara and um, Brian Cranston. Mm. Yeah, was the... could have taken all even then. Mm. Even, left. Eleven. Um, one day, oh dear God. Oh. Someone said read to me at work before, today that she's got two more episodes and I just went... <gasps> I was like, I'm so sorry. I went, have you read, seen the film? No. Have you read the book? I went, oh, God. <laughs> You're in for it even more. Everyone knows it's sad. Even the people who've not read the book. Everyone yeah. knows now, especially since this has come out. So what I'm saying is, I'm not spoiling anything. But one day it broke my little heart to oh. pieces. So much, in fact, that Ned was fast asleep when I finished it and I had to wake him up. You were inconsolable. And I was sobbing. And I went into the bathroom because I had a cold... And I went into the bathroom and I was like blowing my nose, which was a mix of the cold and me crying. And I'd like, I don't know if I'd put the light on, but I kind of like caught my eyes in the I was like, I looked like somebody's died. And you've been weeping. Yeah. Well, yeah. you had been weeping. Well, I know, but it was a TV Honestly. show, for God's sake. But I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I found, I remember thinking, 14 episodes, there's no way in hell I'm getting through that. And I got through it so quick because I just stayed up all night to watch it. quite short episodes Some as well. of them are. They yeah. probably vary from like 25 to 40, min 40 minutes. Oh, that's quite episodes. a variation. It is quite varied, yeah. yeah weird. Um, but I absolutely loved it. Like, loved it. Um, so much so, the author... Now I've read, now I've seen that, I'm not that bothered about reading the book. Oh, really? Yeah, it's cause a really I, good book. No, and I, I presume it is, but I think, like, life is so short. I know what happens already. Uh, <laughs> What's the point, like, in my view? Right, but David Nichols, enough. the author, has a new book coming out soon, and I am going to buy that. Okay. Because it, I think the adaptation came from obviously quite a well-written book um so uh it yeah. was the first book ever that made me cry while i was reading it actually i'm not sure i could cry at a book well i didn't think i could and then i read that although i did used to say i don't understand how people can laugh at a book but i did laugh at <gasps> i laughed at a book recently as well oh it was hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy oh. last year when i was reading it on holiday it had me chuckling yeah um I've still got a couple more, so I'm going to fly through them. Yeah, go on. The Iron Claw, which I did really like. Didn't like it as much as some people are going on about it. I enjoyed it. Um, but, I mean, that's pretty much all I've got to say. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't like people are like. Oh my god, it's been shut out of an award season. Like okay. it was good, but I'm quite happy the fact that it was shut out. I would have maybe, maybe, Zac Efron could have been in the conversation for some best acting awards because I don't think he was very good. And I think that yeah. the awards love a bit of a, oh, he was a childhood sweetheart, then he kind of went off the boil, and now he's come back and done like a awardsy type dramatic. Like normally they love that kind of story. Right. But, you know. But he's been snubbed. Yeah, it's been snubbed. I mean, it's far from the snub of the century, really, isn't it? Yes. Anyway. Um, and Breathtaking, which was an ITV drama, three parts, about COVID, which was harrowing. But I really enjoy shows about recent events. find them fascinating. Yeah. I almost find them more fascinating when it's more recent in the last two or three years than like the last 30 years ago. Because right. I find it interesting how your perspective has moved on, but not quite. Yeah. It's like it's in the rearview mirror. I think things about but... COVID are still a bit soon for me. Yeah, I know. I remember trying to put an episode on you and like, tell me, yeah. It put me in a bad mood for a day, actually. That oh, I didn't know that. Watched. I'm sorry. Well, it was too late by that point. Yeah. Over to you now with some of yours. Thank you. Um, long-time listeners to the pod will know that 2023 was the year I was trying to watch through all of the Aliens and Predators. Might even have been started, have you done it? started in 2022. I've watched all of them now. So that's a yes. So it's a yes. Yeah. I finished it. My last one to watch was The Predator. And I know yeah. the last re- last one, as in the most recent one, is Prey. But we've already done an episode on Prey. So. Did we? Yeah, yeah we, we did, did, didn't we? Yeah. It was one of our early ones. Cannot believe. What? The score you gave The Predator. I actually think, right, unpopular opinion, The Predator is the best of the Predator movies, apart from Prey. It was unwatchable in parts. If you'd have gone to the cinema to see that, there was parts in the edit where the editing of the film didn't even look finished. It was horrific. Well, half that just a star goes to show being generous, one star film for me. That just goes to show the caliber of the Predator franchise. Ned, Predator crap. is one of the most I seminal. I know, Most, like, I know its point in history and its influence, but I just do not get it. If it weren't for Alien, I would not have watched a single one because Alien is top tier. I mean, sci-fi. Alien's good. Yeah, Alien is great. Alien versus Predator when they started doing those, absolutely obliterated any sense of dignity that Alien ever had. And Predator, I mean, it was just exactly the same. I just, I've never really liked it. And that was the best Predator film. And I'll have no... Um... You sound like, and I'll have your head for your opinion. <laughs> no, I was going to say I'll have no arguments on that or something, but I couldn't quite get oh, the phrase out. Oh, how confrontational. Mm. Yeah. So, now that I've finished that... Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I've chosen a new franchise to watch you, you don't. You don't just go for a three. Huh? You don't go for a franchise with, like, three films in it, do you? Well, what's the point? It's hardly, no, no, hardly worth like, calling it a watch through. No, I know, but it's like, oh, could rewatch Lord of the Rings, which we have done. I've seen all the Lord of the Rings lots of times. But like, 
this I'm going fran- for franchises that are like I've never seen is like a lot of them. At one hell of a commitment. James Bond 007 for those who are waiting on Tenter How many are there? Don't actually know. I think there's 20 odd. Yeah, it's a fair, a fair few. I'm like, going to Google whilst you talk about um, the two that you've watched so one. far. So I'm watching them in release order. So we are currently in with Sean Connery. I watched oh, Dr. No last week. Shrunk. I watched um, From Russia With Love this weekend. And bearing in mind, I have to view them knowing that the writing of female characters is appalling. Appalling, yeah. to say the least. Um, I can definitely see why 007 has left his mark on the world of cinema. Just so suave. Very suave, very sexy. And I think it came about when Britain had quite a strong role in the world as well. I would argue that like Bond gives us like a bit of soft power, like the BBC. I don't know what you mean. Like a bit of soft power around the what world. Soft like... power. I can't describe it, but I know what I mean. Like the BBC okay. World Service, people say it's like a soft power because people watch it and it's part of Britain and it like gives us oh, a bit right. of leverage in the world. Right. Oh, it's about like like the image soft you portray. political power. Yeah. Okay. But I was enough. like Bond kind of came about in the sixties yeah. during the Cold War, pre the. Well, what years was the Cold War? I don't know. No, but Doctor No was nineteen sixty two. Yeah. Um. Um. And you, st- it's really weird because you still can't really beat that. F- like so many, there are a lot of films that fill the screen. Yeah. But something about in the UK. When a Bond film comes out, it's like Bond Everybody mania happens. And when the new Bond is cast, it'll be Eey. everywhere. Yeah. Heads will roll if people don't like it. People didn't like David, uh, David Cameron. Daniel Craig. Um, Daniel Craig when he was <laughs> no, first cast. Blue hairs, blonde. That's not my Bond. Blue hairs. Blue, Blue hairs! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else? Um, watch. Why did I fancy the Rocky Horror Picture Show? I just think I wanted to we were watch. We're doing a competition about gay. it on our Instagram. Maybe to go that's to what planted the seed. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, oh, and congratulations to our Instagram um, winner, prize winner. Yes, thank you. Do you know their name? No. Do you? I will in a second if I can remember. No, it's fine. I feel like I've set you up there and I've set myself up now. But let me just send congratulations to them. Yes. Properly. Oh, my Instagram's going to play. One second, one second, one second. Oh, come on, come on. The tension. Should have pretended like we were drawing the winner now and then it wouldn't be so terrible. I wasn't quite expecting to make a... I mentioned Eli. Eli, yes. Congratulations, Eli. Congratulations, Eli. I don't think the screening's happened as of recording. No, not yet. It's next month. It is. So it's in enjoy. March. And we're going to do some more competitions this yeah, year. Yeah, so listen out. Ned's had some good ideas about trying to but not be so we'll keep, regional, but we're yeah, going to keep them stum. Keep them stum. Um, just yes. check. Just follow us on Instagram, and you'll get the big reveals. <laughs> 
Um, and the last one I've watched, apart from what we'll be talking about today, is Wicked Little Letters, which is a recent new kind of historical comedy drama um, set in Littlehampton, which is a south coast town in, what was it, the 1940s? 50s? 40s. It was post-war, I think. Post-first. Oh, is it 30s then? Let me see. Well, this is terrible, isn't it? Um, but it's really, really good. Um, it has Olivia Coleman and Jesse Buckley. 20s. 1920s, gosh. Yeah. So it's post-First World War. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, I'm just looking for a parrot. Yeah. I was confirming, not repeating. Oh, right. Okay, sorry. Um, and it was really, really funny. Really strong mostly female cast surrounded by incompetent men brilliant and it turns out it's based on a true story Pfft. who knew Absolutely yeah, it, loved it. It, it, i thought it was really funny it was that kind of like oh wasn't that a scandal kind of thing like british story very 1920s scandal somebody yeah. was writing letters with um lewd content i gave it three star uh i gave it four of course you did four three and a half four four Three and a half or four? Four. I made the graphic last night, I remember. Thank you. Um, I was quite proud of my letterbox review. Why? Runs out of ink, in brackets. Get it? Oh, right. Once the novelty of the swearing and insults wears off, but its charm stays due to Coleman and Buckley's performances, like its class and gender politics commentary, a nice Sunday afternoon type film. Lovely. Oh, sorry, my phone's just ringing. Hang on. Right. It's the Guardian. Right. <laughs> you want me to what? Yes, I'll send me your email. Great, thanks. They want me to be the new film critic. Oh, <laughs> I've never done a bit on the podcast before. <laughs> you should. I said I was hyper yeah, tonight. You're in a good, good podcast mood. Actually, I am. But that energy. was a good. That was. Did you know where I was going? I had a I had an inkling. Yeah. Oh damn! Yeah. Um. <laughs> Come on, let's move on. <laughs> tell We've me what. Tell me what's been in the news. The tell me what's film. been in the oh, news. Oh, there's quite a lot happened in the news, but I picked this one because I want to discuss why the hell they're rushing it. So, Universal have seemed to, well, they've dated a new Jurassic film, which, after the last one, is not an exciting story for me because that last film was an abomination um wow oh yeah we try to be nice to films don't we everyone involved tried the best um but it was awful (laughs) but it wasn't Um, good enough and well especially when it brought the original cast back oh i know anyone Um, anyone who gets laura dern to say that someone slid into her dms needs sacking and locusts anyway but it still made a load of money and Universal obviously see it as a franchise that will make them bang for buck. They're bang for buck. They're bang for buck at the box office. So they have dated a film next year. They did that before any kind of director was attached. Um, The one saving grace of it is that the original screenplay the writer of the original screenplay has come back to write this script. Right. So that's like, ooh, intrigued a bit more. Maybe it won't be terrible. Yeah. 
And then David Leach was attached, director of Deadpool, the upcoming Fall Guy, which looks like lots of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but then very quickly dropped out because I think he maybe wanted to get a little bit more creative, which can't won't be allowed when Universal have set such a we need to film it ASAP. It's coming out next June. Right. Don't really understand why they're rushing it, to be honest, because Universal are doing quite well as a studio at the minute. <laughs> but he's dropped out. But what's quite exciting, and I think it might be quite exciting for you, Ned, is that Gareth Edwards is now attached to direct. Why is that exciting for me? Director of The Creator. Oh, that is exciting. So if he brings some of his kind of world building and pizzazz that he did, because we really liked The Creator. You liked it very much. I loved The Creator. um, But still, it's like, well, David Leach has dropped out. They brought in Gareth Edwards, who... I would like to see his take on. I wouldn't like him to just be a cookie cutter director who is just there to be at Do the whim job. of the studio. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was listening to another podcast, Empire, and they said he might have come in because he can do, a, from his work on the creator, he seems to be able to do a lot in special effects on quite a low budget for those kind of films. Cool. Well, I'm here for it then. Because the creator looked amazing, and I swear it only cost about eighty million to make. And if you look at that compared to some of the modern, uh, some of the recent Marvel outputs oh, God, from yeah. a CGI perspective, yeah. Argyle that that CGI was quite bad at times. That, that was film so was two hundred million dollars. Argyle was. Yeah, although I think wow. a lot of that was Apple buying it. But anyway, like it was an expensive film. Right. Um. So I am now, I would say, intrigued. But hopefully we're going to get more news about cast and maybe a small plot synopsis because as far as we're all aware, it's not continuing the story of Chris Pratt, Dallas, Bryce Howard, somebody else. <laughs> the others. Blue, the Velociraptor. Yeah, right. So, yeah. Is it Bryce Dallas Howard? I Dallas was Bryce the ra- Howard. Bryce? Bryce I Dallas think it's Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. yeah. I like her. She's quite... Kooky. Huh. Okay. Well, what a time we've had. But now it's time to cast our minds into the future and get excited for what's coming up in the world of film and TV. It's time now for Trailer Trash or Treasure. And what have we got this time? Oh, well, what? Declan. <laughs> oh. What were you about to take Well, you lines? whinged about us having two, so I was going to just take it all and why explain why we've all? got two. We just wanted to come back with a bang after a little hiatus. Oh, wow. And come around to it, have you? Do two trailers. Well, I was going to obviously keep face for the audience, mm-hmm. but now you've exposed that. Um, it was originally because of the Oscars, wasn't it? No. BAFTAs. No. No? Go on, tell me about it. <laughs> Super Bowl. Super Bowl, yeah. See? So yeah. far in the past, I've forgotten about and what it was. because so many came out a couple of weeks ago at the Super Bowl. Yeah. There hasn't been a lot since either. Yeah. So I said to Ned, why don't we pick one each from the Super Bowl? Yeah. So we did. Yeah. So what have you picked? Wicked. I don't feel like we need to say any more about Wicked before we dive in, play some sparkles. It's in the... Should we do that? It's in the show And then reveal what yours will be. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Linked. Links in the show notes. See you after the sparkles. Exciting. Yeah, it is. Okay. Good chat. No, I just, I like the trailer. Yeah. Quite interesting that we, we in the, in the movie business, <laughs> know that this is a part one. Doesn't everyone? Yes. Well. Well, those who pay attention. Those who pay attention. But I did notice at the end it dropped a, any reference to part one or part two. I think that is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part one's doing. doing. Yes. yes. Um, well, also, June never marketed itself as part no, one until you went, it knew opening, how good it opening was. credits and it went, June part one. It's like, oh, didn't know this was a part Great. one. Great, two and a well, half hours and it won't finish. I know that Denny Villeneuve wanted yes. to do others. But I really like, I, so I'm sold on the cast. Uh-huh. Tell I'm us who, tell us who. Cynthia Revo as Alphaba. Yeah. yeah. Ariana Grande as... Glinda. Glinda. Yeah. Jonathan Bailey as Figaro. Fiero. Um, Fiero. I've not seen the musical, which we're going to correct very soon on our third year anniversary. Oh, can you imagine, listeners, we've been together three years? So, really? Yeah. Um, Michelle Yeoh playing someone I don't know who that is. Um, I can't remember her name, but she's like the teacher lady. Jeff Goldblum's voice, quite like that, as the use of the... Man behind the curtain. Wizard. Wizard, that's it. As in the um, wizard yeah. of Oz. My main worry about it, mm-hmm. which has kind of come from nowhere, because I remember seeing some of the set pictures, and it had looked like they'd built so much of the set in London where it filmed. It's giving me a bit too much, ironically, green screen itis. I don't like the look of it in parts. Oh, I think it looks like they've done some really good, like, world design. It yeah, looks... but I think it's all on green screen. I mean, well, yeah, I think, yeah. Obviously, is this is really quite an early trailer. It doesn't come out till November. Yeah. So the CG is, touchwood, hopefully going to improve quite a bit by its release date in November. Yeah. It's, um, um, like, the design of its world gives me a little bit um, robots ever seen it yeah and a little bit um alice in wonderland tim Tim burton one like mix those two and i think you're not a million miles away from oz in wicked and how do you feel from the little hint of defying gravity that we hear well the first time i watched this trailer and sorry listeners i have watched it a fair few times (laughs) um when it opens and uh, and it says something has changed within me, that line gave me like little chills on my arms. Mm. Cute. Yes. Um. So I'm excited for that. And you know the vocals are going to be good. Well, I read an article that John M. Chu decided primarily that it was going to be a two-parter. Well, the first part was more that he was struggling to fit it all into one film. Yeah. Which I thought was a bit weird because it's a two and a half hour musical why couldn't you just but yeah whatever. even if you scripted it word for word yeah it'd only like, be two and a half hours long but anyway he said defying gravity is such an amazing song 
yeah. that it's like it's the end of the film kind of song. So we kind of know yeah. that as I think the musical act one ends with Defying Gravity, yeah. that will be the end of this part one. Yeah. And I think they've added songs they've said and oh, created new stuff for part two. Okay. Um, so what I think we're going to get here is I think like part one's going to be like wicked. Yeah. Because if it follows most musicals anyway, most of the decent songs are in part one anyway. There's a couple in act two. But like for the songs I know popular, is that act one? Yeah. The Wizard and I? I think so, yeah. The fact, like, the, even the ones I know have not seen it. Yeah. And I know, like, in musicals, a lot of the second I'm shocked acts, you've not seen it. I know, so am I. It's just been, like, an omission, really. Yeah. But I think the second act in a lot of musicals tends to be, like, reprises of stuff. There and, are like, a, a few new reprises. songs, but, like... So, apparently it's been fleshed out quite a bit for part two, whatever that's going to look like. And it is giving us 2024's Barbenheimer. Is it? Yeah. Oh, with Moana 2. Which is a recent development because cause Disney have only just announced it. But Because someone did a stupid meme like, step aside, Barbenheimer, we've got moaned. Is that what it's, they've called it? <laughs> we moaned. wicked. Yeah. Moaned. Did you Barbenheimer this weekend? Did you moaned this weekend? Um, so yes, both, well, in America, both out Thanksgiving weekend, the 27th of November. I'm sure we'll get them at a very similar time. Mm-hmm. I would give the trailer... Tra- uh, treasure. Um, treasure. But treasure. I need to see more. Yes. That was only a one minute Super Bowl kind of teaser-ish anyway. So. Okay. Well, On would you me. like to reveal your Super Bowl trailer choice? Yes. This trailer, I feel like I'm doing a an X Factor um, guest act coming on. This trailer... Increased the Super Bowl's viewership by millions. Did it? Yes. Okay. That and Taylor Swift, anyway. Um, this trailer... Definitely Taylor Swift, not this trailer. Hang on for the second fact. Go on. Is the most watched trailer in the first 24 hours ever. God. Um, this trailer heralds the rescue of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This trailer, of course, is Deadpool and Wolverine. Link is in the show notes. See you after the sparkles. See you after the sparkles. What did you think? Love it. The more I see it, the more I'm sold, actually. Really? Yes. So what we see here is Deadpool apprehended by the TVA, which we know are the... They're the ones from Loki. Loki. They're yeah. the ones that kind of um, look after the, the time, the sacred timeline. Right. You've not seen Loki season two. Yeah. Um, which I would say maybe try watch before, because you did like this at first scene. I'm still not convinced I'm going to watch this, to be honest. You are. I hate Because Deadpool. I understand some people find Deadpool as a character a, painful a, well irritating I liked him in the funny. first one and I always remember watching the second one and I liked like the first half and then like as the second half of the film I was like all right Deadpool we get it like you can look at camera you can break the fourth wall 
you don't take anything serious. Like it kind of wore on me a little bit, but I think that's probably due to the script um, rather than, but this one having Hugh Jackman return as Wolverine, who we very, very briefly see, which I'm very happy about because I think this film has a hell of a lot of potential spoilers. Because basically the rumours are that this is obviously Deadpool coming into the MCU, now Fox is owned by Disney, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be basically the goodbye to the Fox X-Men and a lot of other Fox Marvel characters um, before like the the, the MCU X-Men come about. So there's probably going to be kind of... There's rumours that, you know, we're getting Halle Berry, we're getting um, Ian McKellen, we're getting, like, all like all the original X-Men are going to be in this, apparently. Okay. So that's the rumours. But not just that, I just think it has that level of gravitas that I used to expect from seeing a Marvel trailer, like, oh, I need to see that in the cinema. Uh... Which I haven't had probably since... Actually, the Wakanda Forever trailer was amazing, that first trailer that dropped. Yeah. Um, but I really hope, especially with this being the, the the only real... There are other Marvel films this year. <laughs> Madam Web. Um, but this is the only MCU film, and I'm hoping both the quality of this and the fact that it's just one gets people excited again, and it's a bit of a breather and a bit of a... In Kevin Feige, we trust again. Yeah. I I like the action. It's not sold me yet. I, I like just, the action. I've, I've given up getting my hopes up for Marvel That's after fair. the last handful of years. I remain But the thing is, you open. haven't disliked really any of them. I haven't loved any of them either. I don't think I've loved Did the you like them? You liked the Marvels. I don't know. Maybe I'm just exhausted. Maybe I'm knackered. Maybe. I think that fact... is. It's the fatigue of it. It's like, I, I think, think now it feels also, like homework to keep up on them. I think also, um, for the longest time, something being called a Marvel film made it good and exciting. And actually, the label is no longer selling it for me. Like, it's going to have to do something actually good. For me, it's that feeling of there's too much to yeah. keep up on. So even though you're really excited, it, it's a lot. And then another one for me is Thor, Love and Thunder ruined it a lot for me. But Guardians 3 was amazing. Yeah. Like, amazing. Yeah. I watched that assembled, you know, when Disney do a a one-hour documentary on each Marvel, like about how it was made. I only knew that they existed since I known you. Yeah, well, they are probably quite a new thing. Yeah, but I watched that and I was like, oh, I love that film. I'd rewatch it at any point. I don't think I feel a sentimental attachment to any Marvel films these days. All right, well, so let's stop being really negative because I loved it and you you went in on my parade a bit. Uh, um, okay. Treasure. Trash. <gasps> oh my god. Well, that's it. And now for this week's headline feature, Rustin coming up right after this quick break. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, 
people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Are we recording? We are now. All oh, right. Okay. Cool. Rustin, then. Rustin. Do you want to straight dive in with a synopsis? Okay. Um, yeah. Bayard Rustin was a prominent figure in the civil rights movement. He was also gay, and most people around him knew it. Rumours about his relationship to Martin Luther King threatened to undermine a movement and Rustin endeavours to rally the biggest protest in history. Good synopsis. Thank you. Where do you want to start? Um, I know where to start. All right, okay, dive in. A little nod to LGBTQ History Month for our UK listeners. Um, Apparently it's October in the US. I think it is, yeah. yeah. Um, I just like that Film and TV offers such an accessible route into learning about history. And often filmmakers will choose kind of untold stories or find stories we know and tell them through different lenses. And I think film and TV is the perfect place to give depth and breadth to our understanding of how we got to where we are today. Yeah, and I would also probably give a little bit of a shout out to streaming platforms as well. Because if this was a Martin Luther King film... Oh, I meant, like, the industry. Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. saying, like, you're talking about that accessibility point yeah. of what films get made. Yeah. If this was a Martin Luther King film through and through... Through and... I can't... Through and through? Through and through, thank you. Right. Would have been on the cinema. Probably would have made quite a bit of money. Yeah. Now, history tells us that Rustin was a major, major part of the civil rights movement not just the civil rights movement but that famous march on washington yeah and if it really wasn't for him it probably wouldn't have happened yeah arguably now i remember watching an interview with coleman domingo and even like um it was on graham norton actually and graham norton was like we don't know rustin really in the uk it's not no never heard of his name until we saw that but turns out even in the u.s he's not that well known as a prominent uh part of the civil rights movement so i think you know netflix yes it's a film but it's like i feel like netflix has allowed it to to have its say as well platform yeah 
like if you would put a film like Rusty into the cinemas, it would have been a bit of a risk because no one knows who he was. Yes, no, exactly, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, to me, that was the the main shock, to be honest. Like how somebody so prominent and with such like he didn't just know Martin Luther King. Like they were really, really close. Like they were really good friends. He knew. Um, Rustin knew all of his family. Yeah. Martin Luther King's wife very much liked his yeah. company. His kids almost they are, Rustin almost felt like a bit of a godfather to them. That's yeah, like the thing I got. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he's primarily been kind of written out of history. Um, that was probably the most stark bit to me towards the end. Like as we were watching more and more of the film, I was like, I can't believe this story's not been told. I can't yeah. believe we don't know it. Yeah. Um. And I also think there was almost a, a really interesting creative choice made mm-hmm. by a particular scene that I think made it feel like let's like a conscious decision to not try to take the attention off Rustin. Do you know what I think personally that was? Uh, no. So towards the end of the film, when the March on Washington happens, we do get to see part of Martin Luther King's speech, but it wasn't the famous, I had a... I have a dream. I have a dream. Yeah. I was singing that bloody Abba song then. (laughs) Um, And I thought, like, even I'd love to kind of, you know, interview screenplay director. Like, I almost felt like, because whilst Martin Luther King was so important to the civil rights movement, of course, and also to this story. He wasn't yeah. the focal point of what this story was on. Yes. And, and I, I thought doing that was quite, you know, not yeah. even having him say the character, like it could have been quite caricatured, like, oh, he's going to stand and say his famous words, but it wasn't about him. I don't think it would have been caricatured even if they'd have chosen that, but that's kind of what I was Lazy. getting at. It was kind of what I was getting at when I said, like, film offers a way to tell stories that are relatively familiar through perspectives we've never seen before. Um, And I think that is a a really great example of this film doing exactly that. Um, It's really interesting as well to learn how Rustin was kind of written out of history. Um, And, you know, I don't think it would be remiss to assume it's in no small part due to a sexual orientation. Well, that was one of the main points I wanted to discuss. I find films that that explore kind of that intersectionality, like, you know, this was all about the equality of race. Yeah. Whereas the equality of who you love and, like, gay rights that were shown, it was almost like... In history, at different times, I found it. I find it fascinating to see it on kind of film and TV. Yeah. The different levels of acceptance for different groups of minorities throughout history, yeah. and when you are part of two or more, yeah, how complex that relation. Like, he was fine to be accepted as a prominent figure in the civil rights movement. He was yeah. very. Like the way he word, like the way he spoke, he was very eloquent. He was very, he was really um, well. He was very good at getting his point across without yeah. being angry. He was angry. a great like, orator. He idolized Gandhi for kind of the kind of um, peaceful protest kind of way of of moving times along. Like yeah. he wasn't really 
happy when, you know, violence was used, you know, told the police that came from New York that were going to be at the march that they all need to all had to leave the guns in New York. It was a really interesting like... line that he said, actually, on that. Like, um, oh, what was it? It was along the lines of um, to be a pacifist is, like, to renounce violence, but also be prepared to receive violence. Yes. Or some words to that effect. It was almost was like really free speech. It's like you can say what you want. But you're not free from consequences. Yeah. So, like, I can be a pacifist. Yeah. And have my moral stance. I can, yeah. But that doesn't mean that you have to be. And I would accept, like, I realise that not everyone's going to have the same opinion. And violence is yeah. going to come to me sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah. So. I can have control over not inciting violence. But I can't have control over not receiving violence. Do you think Martin Luther... So, obviously, a lot of what's explored is, like, he nearly ruined the movement because there were rumours about his sexuality and, and even the terms they used about, oh, he's fruity, he's this, he's that. They all obviously meant homosexual. Yeah. That speech toward the end when, like, Martin Luther King kind of put a stop to all that question was, like, rusting as a fine man. It was quite an emotional scene where yeah. he's kind of welling up and watching the telly with all the the work, the, the kind of callers in the office who've yeah. been fundraising. Like, I do f wonder if prominent figures like Martin Luther King, like, why do they all escape me? What's the one in South know. Africa? Mandela. Yeah. Like, did, and this is an open conversation, yes, I know there's a microphone in front of me, but did they care about other minorities as well as their own and was it even a place for them to care about others well the very i think to be a leader of a movement to be a successful leader of a movement you must kind of understand that your your experience is reflected in the experience of others even if those others experience that for different reasons yeah yeah that's what i hope and that's what like did even come with, with mlk yeah whether that was true in history don't really know well, well i mean do, but... from from what we saw in rustin when one of the rivals or critics of rustin kind of came out with this um completely fabricated rumour that Rustin and Martin Luther King were in a secret relationship. Um, I think it was decided due to kind of the collective look from all the different heads of the different um, organisations that formed the movement kind of on a national scale. That kind of peer pressure almost meant that Martin Luther King didn't really have a choice but to sort of step back and not back Rustin too strongly. But I don't think he ever... It, it didn't look like he felt comfortable about doing that. And he kind you of... You don't think he looked comfortable doing it? No, I don't think he did look comfortable doing it. Oh, did you not? No, I think he looked like he was... When he was on the TV? No, not that bit. Oh. 
when they were around the like boardroom meeting oh the table. NAACP table yeah which is a group I would like to get to up. as well Rustin stood up and was like I don't care about these rumours because I know I'll be backed and supported oh he, he put his resignation in to say because of these rumours I'm going to resign and he expected MLK to um, well yeah the fallout at the start yeah. because of that talk. and that's yeah. kind of where and I don't think that Martin Luther King was particularly comfortable about not being able to back him all the way. Would you say the saying he was stuck between a rock and a hard place? I think, yeah, that probably um, is very much there. Because I think his kind of personal values had to be weighed up against social attitude. And obviously in America in the 60s, that was... Um, you know, the, the, it's where that kind of the layers come in and it makes it extra complex, particularly if you're trying to get kind of mass appeal to millions of people who many of whom are either on the fence or against you. Like, Well, that's why I think Rustin was somebody that they couldn't not have because yeah. I think he knew how it worked. Exactly. He, had, he had something that he wanted to achieve, but he was really good at working the system in order the current system in order to yeah. achieve it like yeah. you know I, one thing i learned i always knew that the pro uh the protest was peaceful which did used to shock me sometimes because we saw like previous violence in alabama not yeah. not primarily kind of the the black protesters it was kind of police brutality and all that kind of stuff yeah they used actual footage from from those protests but i was always shocked that water that, cannons. that march did look so peaceful like it looks yeah. peaceful and it it's just peaceful. everyone kind of listening to amazing orators including yeah. martin luther king yeah. but what other thing that did shock me and was quite interesting to, to kind of watch was just how organized it was mm. like i just kind of thought hundred thousand people could just rock up in dc which they can these days if they want if you say I there's mean, a protest in dc a... you've got like a hundred million people within a fairly small for america geographical range that can all be there quite quickly due to travel as well you've got um much easier access to quick travel these days and social media makes it really easy to spread the word really fast they didn't even have the internet i know they had telephones and they obviously needed to fundraise really like quite yeah um laboriously like calls and calls and People, which I thought was quite a funny scene, like sending some of the younger girls out to go and kind of make white people feel guilty. They were like, like pitching, uh, yeah, like to oh, like, what I imagine so is like a Tupperware party. Like, used it, they used their own power to do that, which was quite nice. Um, but yeah, like even you know, preparing enough food, it has to be jam yeah. and peanut butter, it can't be cheese because it's going to be a hot day. Yeah, having enough water for All hundreds the things of you like, think about. But to me, I was like, I wouldn't even say, like, even though modern day protests can bring a lot of people quite quickly, I wouldn't say a lot of protests are as well organised as as that in yeah. the 60s, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, I think where the film did let down a little bit for me is, I think what it tried to do with some of the side plots weren't done particularly very well. I think Rustin and his 
Lover. Lover. Well, there was two, two kind lovers. of. One that loved him, but... The one that loved him and the one that was married, are they the two you're on about? Yeah. Yeah. So the one that loved him, but Rustin couldn't love him back because he was basically in love with his job and couldn't see past his his purpose, let's say. Yeah. Then he met this married man, and then the guy, the other guy was like, of course you're falling for him because he literally can't give you any love back because he's got a wife. Yeah. I thought that was okay explored. The bit that they kept putting in, and I didn't really see where they were going with it, was there was a woman on the board of the march of at uh, the march on Washington, and she kept saying about how there's no women included, there's no women speakers, there's uh, no this, yeah. there's no that, and it didn't really resolve or go anywhere. And I was like, well, if it's not going to resolve or go anywhere, either don't have it in or make more of a point of it. I felt like it didn't really. I think it gave like... relevance to, like it gave a timely relevance to it. And it it would have been incorrect to have no women present at the table. But it was, it gave kind of like an explicit um, uh, highlight to the fact that she was the only woman trying to be the voice of how many people were at the protest? Under well, it was organised for a hundred thousand, but I think there was a lot. Yeah, that ended up being quite a lot more. Yeah, so you know, it's the whole thing about gender equality and representation of men and women at decision-making tables is that women represent at least half of the population, if not slightly more, if you look on a big enough scale, mm. and are very rarely in positions where they have that kind of influence and authority, mostly because they're excluded because of men. And she, at this table, kept saying, where are all the women speakers? They represent 50% of the women, of the people we're trying to get equal rights for, or civil rights for. Will you listen to this as well? And it was another example of how everyone was focused very much on their movement and forgot to think about people that were slightly different to them like rustin being gay and like i'm really i i don't know her name who the woman at the table oh i don't know i don't know we should know her name i'm gonna try and google it um really quickly but i'm terrible at multitasking um but yeah her is kind it C -C -H pounder is the yes. actor yes Dr. Anna Hedgeman. Thank you. That's who it um, is. Um, so she, her kind of level of intersectional thing here was about women's rights or the white, the rights of black women, just as his was, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. it added the layer to it. Um, and I think it would have been a shame to have not mentioned anything about women, particularly given that this film is obviously made in 2023 and um, we need to be kind of um, acknowledging all of the history of all marginalised people. See, I, don't, I, I believe we do in cinema I mean? as a whole, but yeah. I don't think every film sing in a singular But historical events are always shaped by more than one kind of person. It wouldn't have no, been I right to that. just have it I as know a that. black man. But tell the story from different perspectives then. Well, that's what they were doing. 
No, all right, let's just move on from it because I don't okay. think we agree on that and I don't want to labour it too much. <laughs> okay. Um, other parts that I thought slightly negative, uh, there was a bit of green screen in strange places that I didn't expect to see green screen. Well, I didn't notice, but I don't... Like on the monument, something. like you could tell it with the way it was lit, they weren't there and I thought that's yeah. a place you could have gone to and it still exists. Yeah. Maybe it was filmed during COVID, I don't know. Or whatever, but that was it. The, the, you know, it it it's not. I my star rating I gave it. I can't really describe why. It just didn't like. It was a great fit. It was a good film, but didn't like blow me socks off. I guess. Oh. But um, Amal Amin, who played Martin Luther King, was uncannily like uncannily looked like Martin Luther King. Mm. <laughs> like obviously the way they did his hair and stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. That is him. Um, really good kind of supporting cast around it. You had Glyn Turman, Chris Rock in quite a serious role, which I quite liked to see that side of Chris Rock. Um, Audrey MacDonald, Jeffrey Wright, you know, we were mentioning American fiction earlier. Yeah. Um, I got excited seeing Divine Joy Randolph. Yeah. And if that was her singing, as well as being a phenomenal actor in I The know. Holdovers, she's got a set of pipes on her. Yeah. Um, and... That was quite an interesting, I think, thing to explore. Mm. Like the, going to Chris Rock, like the internal politics of the NAACP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, they all had their, they all had one goal, but it's like, who can be, who can do it better? Who has the best ideas? Yeah. Which is going to happen because something big is at stake as well. But I did think that kind of, yeah, I think it did a bit quite more well of a deeper dive that. into that organisation. I thought yeah. it was quite interesting, um, but I will just and I think it's about time that we give props to Coleman Domingo. I was going to say another reason this was such um, a great film to note, particularly in our LGBT History Month episode, is that along with Jodie Foster, Coleman Domingo became the first LGBT them two the first LGBT Oscar nominees nominated for playing LGBT roles. Yay! Which was amazing to know. Um, it, two facts. Yeah. Great fact. Other fact that blew my mind. Jodie Foster. Didn't know Jodie Foster was LGBTQ, but, you know. Yeah. Oh, Who knew? Actually. What? Have I got it wrong? No. Ten actors received their first Oscar nominations this year. The yeah. acting nominees included portrayals from three openly LGBTQ plus ah. actors. Coleman Domingo, yeah. Jodie Foster, yeah. and Lily Gladstone. Yes, and the only reason that Lily Gladstone didn't appear in that little fact I gave was because Lily Gladstone's nomination wasn't for an LGBT role. Yes. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Little shout out as well because Gladstone was also became yes. the, the first indigenous indigenous American actress to be nominated. Yes. Um so and the person who wrote the song for that, a song for my people, became the first member of the Osage Nation to be nominated for an Academy Award. Anyway, oh, brief aside. But, so there's quite a lot of uh, I think the Oscars have like come a long way, but that's another conversation. Yeah. Um but yeah, I for him, all these conversations we have about should gay characters be played by gay actors, it's like you don't even have to have that conversation because you've got a wonderful actor and man from what I've seen in interviews in yeah. Coleman Domingo who serves... Oh, my God. 
when he was doing the interview on Graham Norton, Norton and he told the story of how he met his husband. Oh, that was so cute. Ask me to recall it, though. Uh, he came out of a shop and caught eyes with a sexy stranger, sexy mysterious stranger, and then put a Lonely Hearts ad in the paper or something, and or a Craigslist maybe. Craigslist, Craigslist. it was, yeah. Um, and a couple of hours before he'd posted it, this other person had posted the Craigslist ad or something like that. And they've been together. And they've been together ever like since. Years and, years. and it was so cute. But yeah, going back to his performance, um, yeah. he does, so he's he's cheeky, he's charismatic, Yeah, he has to turn on the emotion at times, you feel a lot of sympathy for him, he's got so many different, the character has got so many different parts to his personality that I think Coleman does justice to all of them. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got this troubled kind of inner turmoil between what he wants to do and his sexuality and he knows that deep down that it will get in the way of the movement if it comes out but he's like no fuck it like this is who i am and i just think it's a really kind of broad yeah kind of performance yeah like very well deserved oscar nomination um and yeah so that's kind of interesting that dustin lance black was involved in the writing of the screenplay. Yeah. Because he seems to be kind of quite a prominent writer in anything to do with kind of civil rights movements in America. Oh, kind of picks his projects. To, well, he did Milk, didn't he? Yes. Won that's the good. Oscar for it. Yeah. Um, done this. I think he's, he did something last year, Under the Banner of Heaven, which was a TV show with that. Like, he seems to... Cool. And yeah. what, what I'm saying with that is I like to point out that there's writers out there that are obviously wanting to tell the stories yes. of... These historical figures, which sadly are still quite relevant in certain situations in modern society. I don't know if sadly is a word I'd use. No, it's sadly that they're still relevant. Is it not sad? Well, no. Is that not the right word? No, I think the fact that it's still relevant ties us to our history, doesn't it? Like it keeps... Yeah, but... What I'm saying is... It's sad that they could a... get lost to history. No, the long word... About. No, I don't think you understand what I'm no, saying. I don't. Like, the subject matter, that it's still relevant today. Like, no, not relevant, still... As in oh, that racism the... and homophobia... Still, still exists. exists, that's what I was trying right. to say. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, really minced me words there. Yeah. Um, really like the score. I was going to say, really cool soundtrack, had, actually, like, lots as of well. Jazzy, kind of, but also kind of... African Americans type sixties yeah, influences. It was um, um, actually the soundtrack was all by Branford Marsalis, who also did Ma Rainey's Black uh, uh, Black Bottom. Well, the director is the same director, and that's why oh, I do cool. say the yeah, influences of that kind of music yeah. came through. Have you seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? No. Phenomenal film. Yeah, it's been on my list um, for ages. And I just so so good. I mean. Chadwick Boseman is amazing, but Viola yeah. Davis is... Oh. Um, so, yeah, what else have I got to say? I've only got one more point. Slightly overlapped with some other content we recently watched, and it reminded me a little bit of we were seeing little stitchings of history. It was like there was fellow travellers there. Yeah. Um, Rustin was kind of deposed, like, like he's ex-communist, he's ex-pacifist. 
and I felt like there was a nice a kind of, of Oppenheimer in there. Yes. They were on about communism. But I felt that kind of queer content was yeah. you know, I yeah, was like yeah. if you if you wanted to paint a timeline of history We've I've got the McCarthyism from a gay angle. Yeah. I've got the civil rights movement from a gay angle. Yeah. Obviously the eighties are quite well covered, but like I was I felt like I was starting to fill in the Lovely. The rainbow. Oh, how lovely. Um, I will say as well, talking of the director that did direct Maureen's Black, Black Bottom, um, oh, God, God, I've totally lost him, totally lost him. George C. Wolfe, um, he, again, um, kind of likes to tell these kind of stories um, and directs, you know, Maureen's Black Bottom um, and now Rustin and a look forward the two actually no speaking of american fiction he can tell whatever stories he likes but i wouldn't mind if he did more kind of um civil rights type yeah stories okay um, he was also in in not behind the camera right. the devil wears prada oh how fun playing a, a role called paul no uh i mean i've seen it plenty of times but Can't remember Paul. I'm not very good at names. Um, are we done then? Um, I have just one closing point, really. I love that, in spite of quite serious subject matter, this felt cheerful, it felt hopeful, it felt enthusiastic, it felt exciting, and I think that was in no small part due to um, Rustin's passion for his cause. And I didn't feel like it was like a slog or um, like a, a cloud above everyone's head all the time. It really felt like people were enjoying solving a big challenge that they faced. Yeah, I like the camaraderie really, really in the room where it they were really, like, really you know, good. fundraising and celebrating every like exactly. few thousand pounds they got in or... Yeah. We've got two busloads more of people coming. But yeah. one thing, I'd, one of the, my favourite scenes was actually one, the closing scene in which Rustin really, as part of what he did, could have gone off and celebrated with the NAACP. He could have been like, you know, hmm. really kind of, I'm the leader of this. I do not do the, the, the work, what the lab, manual labour type stuff. Yeah. But he joins in with the volunteers and he litter picks from where the march has been. Yes. And I just thought that's exactly the attitude that I think is lost in a lot of modern day activism as well. Like a lot, the best activists are the ones that are among the trenches as a metaphor, not like stood over telling you to go over the wall, over the, over the, over the thing. Yeah. Yeah. God, if you come for an insights on Gaze on Film podcast, you know, you do well. Hey. Star rating? Four. Three and a half from me. Great. Well, now let's unsheath the gaydar. It's a wonderful piece of machinery devised by Ned's own hand, and we use it to rank all of the films and TV we discuss. God, you got up late. I'm halfway through the intro. Based on their LGBTQ plus appeal. Let's see where the gaydar ranks. Rusty. It's my favourite bit when I listen to these episodes It's the noise of the zip um, Okay, let's have a look 
blow the dust off the gaydar. That's silly. Obviously, we're quite high up the table. In fact, we're in fourth position. And I know Four. you find discomfort with the top two, so I do think that... Just I've, don't talk about them yeah, today. I've listened to what you said and I've thought about it since last time so maybe they'll start to come down the table a little bit but Rustin comes in above bottoms and below all of us strangers that's in a position (laughs) where I almost have absolutely nothing to say must be right then not necessarily that it's right it's like obviously it's it's a gay character yeah played by a gay actor yeah which is a first that he's up for an Oscar nomination for it. Yeah. It's breaches the in like it's at the intersection between different minorities. Yeah. Showing that the struggle, no matter what minority you are, is a, always a struggle. I think it's marginalized groups rather than necessarily minorities. Oh right, okay. But and Yes. Yeah, I would say like between the company of all of the strangers and bottoms, totally, totally different films. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would very much like see it up there anyway. Lovely. Well, that's all we've got to say on that one. I thought you were going to say that's all we've got time for. I mean, we have been going for a while, but it is the first one back in ages. So yes, but actually, in fact, it is all what we've got time is for. All for this time. Yeah. If you have enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcast platform of choice. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. We are at Gaze on Film Pod and you can check out our letterboxed accounts. Links to those are in the show notes. We'd love to hear your thoughts, so please do feel free to drop us a message. I've been Ned. And I've been Declan. And this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.